Thank you for listening to In Good Faith, the Central Reformed Church Sermon Podcast. This episode's sermon is titled, The Three Conversions, and is based on 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6-13. through 13. It was delivered on Sunday, November 13th, 2022, by Pastor Steve Pierce. Psalm 65, you heard earlier, is such a fantastic reading, and I want to thank Paul Troost for, for reading that for us today. It's about God's presence in uh, his life and abundance in, in, in our midst. It also depicts a world of God's bounty and why we should be so grateful for God in our lives and all that God is doing. And we pivot now to the New Testament lectionary reading in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I do invite you to turn there, 962, 962 in your pew Bibles. Now the rubric here is um, the warning against idleness. The warning against idleness. Now we command you, beloved, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to keep away from believers who are not who are living in idleness and not according to the tradition that they receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you and we did not eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day so that we might not burden any of you. This was not because we do not have that right, but in order to give you an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this command, anyone unwilling to work should not eat. For we hear that some of you are living in idleness, mere busybodies, not doing any work. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly, and to earn their own living. Brothers and sisters, do not be weary in doing what is right. This is the word of the Lord. So end times predictions and the anxiety that they can cause society and communities It steals the energy. I'm thinking about this past week in the midterm elections and how often I'd hear from folks that, well, you know, if so-and-so gets elected, the end of the world will be here as we know it. And yet, November 8th came, and it went, and we're here. And the end of the world didn't take place. Imagine that. But I'm thinking also about 10 years ago. Do you remember the Mayan apocalypse prediction. Do you remember this? This was insane. Uh, December 12, 2020, the Mayan calendar came to an end. It's called the Great Cycle of the Maya Long Count Calendar. There was a gentleman in China who built an ark, and then survival kits all over the world were flying off the shelves. Backtrack a year before that in 2011. Do you remember Harold Camping? Remember this millionaire radio uh, talk, radio personality evangelist? He said, not once, not twice, not three times, but 12 different times of when the world would come to an end. 
And when Monica, my wife, and I were living in New York City, I remember seeing the end of the world posters on taxis and in subway cars and on billboards all over New York City. May 21st, 2011. That was when we were all going to perish. And he spent a fortune on these signs. He spent a fortune promoting this cataclysmic event. But then May 21st came. And it went. And Harold Camping said, actually my math was off. It's October 21st, 2011. But the most bizarre one I think is Han Ming Chen who established what was then called Chen Dao or the true way. It's a combination of Christianity, Buddhism, UFO conspiracy theories, and Taiwanese uh, folk religion. Chen... <laughs> Chen preached that God would appear on U.S. television channel 18 on March 25th, 1988 to announce that God would descend to earth the following week in an identical form to Chen. And then a hundred years before that, one of the saddest stories, I've shared, I've shared this one before in the pulpit, was William Miller. William Miller convinced 100,000 people that the end of the world would take place in 1843. And people sold all their stuff. They wore white robes. They went up to the top of a hill and they prayed and they waited. And the day came and it went. And one of the followers, Henry Emmons, said, I waited all Tuesday. And dear Jesus did not come. I lay prostrate for two days without any pain, but sick with disappointment. There are so many stories of end times predictions that have come and gone, that have created incredible amounts of anxiety in society. Bizarre stories of Leaders claiming to have received divine revelation that this is the day of the Lord or they cracked some Da Vinci code and that told them exactly when the end would be here. And those days came and they went and each story ends with disappointment and broken trust. This is the context of the Thessalonian church. This is exactly the anxiety that they are experiencing and feeling as they wait for the day of the Lord. They were, for lack of better description, a confused and conflicted faith community. Now, the book of 1 Thessalonians is a letter that's much more pastoral and compassionate in tone Uh, The Apostle Paul wrote it to comfort and encourage the Christians living there while they affirmed the reality that Christ's return would one day come. So there there was no question about that. But how they live was what he talked about. And then 2 Thessalonians is sterner. This is like a really lengthy text from a mom late at night to one of her kids at college who's been partying a little bit too much and isn't studying, it's, it reads like that. It's sterner. The apostle writes to reprimand 
and remind the faith community about the truth that they already know and to clear up any and all confusion about the end of the world. And at first, some misunderstood the apostle. And they decided that since Jesus was coming back at any moment, that they would just stop working and do nothing. And they ran around spreading panic and they put their noses in places that they shouldn't have been putting their noses. The apostle refers to them as mere busybodies, meddlers. But in Yiddish, someone who's nosy is a neti. And women who are busybodies are called yentas. And the Thessalonian church was full of both who had plenty of time on their hands and gossip on their lips, but they defended themselves and said, hey, hey, the day of the Lord is coming. What does it matter? Perhaps you've seen the meme of the three older church ladies sitting at a table enjoying church tea. The caption above them says, you know, we don't like to refer to it as gossiping. We like to say that we are sharing our opinions about other people's life choices. Idleness leads to gossip. It leads to mischief too. And you know the ones who are mischievous among us. If you've ever read anything by J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter, then you know it's that look on their face. I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. And we had both in the church at Thessalonica. But the church is, is called to rise above such petty behavior. Members of the body of Christ are called to do their part, to be mature, not perfect, but certainly their interior lives have been transformed by the spirit of truth, by goodness, by God's forgiveness. It's what some scholars call the three conversions of intellectual, moral, and spiritual. Christians are always being conformed to the image of God's Son. And that really matters because through that process, the Apostle Paul, who said in 1 Thessalonians, Christians aspire to live quietly, they mind their own affairs, and they work diligently until, until the day of the Lord. That intellectual conversion is important. Some of us in this room, we love to read. We're lifelong learners. We're always listening to podcasts. And we're always finding new ways to stretch our minds and to grow our brains. Our minds become more captive to the things of God by asking questions about the world and by discovering the meaning of reality. This is intellectual conversion. The closer we get to the mind of God, the more we're able to see and understand reality as it is. Moral conversion enables us to actively live a virtuous life. It is conforming our actions to God's will. And the spiritual conversion, which ties us all together with a big, beautiful bow, is falling in love with God. When's the last time you said, my goodness, I just love God so much. St. Gregory of Nyssa 
once said in a homily that spiritual growth, spiritual conversion is really the faithful gazing their eyes upon Christ. We don't ever take our eyes off the one for whom we love. That spiritual conversion is fixing our gaze on him and his love for us draws the love we have for him out of ourselves and toward God and others. And so here we are, 2,000 years later, much closer to the time of Christ's return, but we would be incorrect to make any predictions about the day and the hour or to simply stare at the nighttime sky, to be idle, to not be about God's work here on earth, to, to eat someone else's bread without paying for it. I remember a dear friend in New York City used to always say to me, Steve, remember there's no such thing as a free lunch. And it's true. And there should be no confusion about that. But there is. There's a university student who was seen walking around campus with a really large K on his T-shirt. And so another student walked over to him and said, Hey, what's the K on your T-shirt all about? He says, Oh, it, it's... Uh, about confusion. So remind us of confusion. He said, man, you don't, you don't spell confusion with a K. And the student replied, you have no idea how confused I am. <laughs> and that's a lot of Christians today. We, we get confused about who we are in Christ and what we should be all about when we neglect our spiritual lives we live in fear of the unknown. We're confused when we allow sin to separate us and from God and from others. When we cease to contemplate who we really are in Jesus Christ and how we should live our lives for him. We get confused when we forget that our God is the God who provides a way when there is no way. Back to the Thessalonians. Professor Miriam Camel of Regent College says this about this passage. She says, The gospel is a free gift, but it should produce a life of good works that build the community. Where meddling, gossiping, entitlement, idleness, and other disruptive behaviors flourish, the church is in grave danger. And Paul's warning in this text is directly applicable. We are not to outstrip our Savior who had all rights and gave them up for our sake and for our salvation. So this is a good word for us when we think about all that God has done and is doing and will do for our benefit, we should be a thankful people. Thinking of the Heidelberg Catechism, question answer number one, where it talks about how we belong. We belong to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'll fast forward to the end. It says, because we belong, Christ, who assures us by the Holy Spirit in working in our lives, assures us of eternal life and makes us wholeheartedly willing and ready for, 
from now on to live for him. That is the Christian life. We belong, and because we belong, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we know, we know we're bound for eternity. But we also are a grateful people who aren't going to sit around and gossip and create problems in the church, but are going to do things that are going to make a difference for other people's lives. This is just one example among hundreds of how the church acts and works until the day of the Lord. To be ready, to be ready for Christ on that last day means living for God, sharing good news, building up the church, false end times predictions, and if I ever make one from this pulpit, I want you to fire me immediately. Send me packing. No end times predictions from this pulpit. But even though the day of the Lord is quickly approaching, we will work when we should work and we'll rest when we should be resting. And in the meantime, let's continue to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, the same Lord and Savior in whose image we are being conformed to every day. This intellectual, moral, and spiritual conversion that is ours because of the power of God at work in our lives. What we hope for, what we hope for shapes what we live for. And according to the apostle in this passage, our hard work and our endurance will one day be rewarded. And for that, we can say praise God. Amen. Let's, let us pray. Our gracious God, thank you for the gift of these words, both from Psalm 65 and this more direct message from the apostle to the faith community at Thessalonica. Grant that the words we've heard this day may, through your grace, be so grafted within our hearts that they will bring forth in us the fruits of the Spirit to the honor and praise of your most glorious name through Jesus Christ our Lord and all God's people say, Amen. New to Central? Since 1840, we have been connecting people to God and to one another through scripture, sacrament, song, and service. We are located on the corner of College Avenue and Fulton Street in the Heritage Hill neighborhood of Grand Rapids. We hope you'll give us the opportunity to meet you in person soon. To learn more about our mission, ministries, and the ways you can grow and serve, please visit our website at www.centralreformedchurch.org.